Come on. Wednesday night's not a sit down and shut up night. It's the night that we're in the house of the Lord. And his presence is here. And he is worthy to pray, be praised regardless of what day of the week it is. Thank you for being here tonight. If you have tithes and offering, you can drop them off tonight out there at the tithe boxes. As you leave, you may be seated. And um, drop them up in there. We appreciate it. You can give online. We thank you for your faithfulness in giving. And tonight, I'm going to be bringing your devotion to you. I have a devotion. I do not plan on being long. And uh, I'm going to be speaking in an area that's very at the forefront of so many of our minds. And uh, we're going to pray about that thing. That's what we're here tonight to do is to pray. The, the purpose of our Wednesday nights now is the time we spend in prayer. We'll have a devotion, and we need to. We worship. We hear the word of God. But then it inspires and encourages to, and gives us a purpose of what we're supposed to pray about tonight. So we're going to, but what's on the forefront of our minds is the condition that our nation is in. Because of the condition that our nation is, is affecting a lot of us individually in our lives. And we're feeling the effects of the conditions of our nation. And so tonight we're going to be addressing about praying for our nation and praying for ourselves tonight in the situations that we're in. The pastor and I have preached many messages, often of warnings or at times maybe even prophetic. Then when things come to pass, we find ourselves then having to remind most of us that this is that. Much like Peter had to do on the day of Pentecost. When he stood up and he spoke to them to remind everyone that this is that. This is that that the prophet Joe prophesied. And he had to come and read. Although it had been prophesied and had been told it was coming, then they had, when it came, it still had to remind them, hey, guys, this, what is this? This is that. And a lot of times that's where we find ourselves. And not much has changed today. We speak of things that come, then we speak of them again when they come. When things we have forewarned to come to pass due, we too often have to address it again and just remind everyone, folks, this is that that we were talking about. We both had spoken on Hebrews 12, 26, and that's what I'm going to go back to again tonight. And we forewarned of this coming. And now that it is here, I'm going to take just a moment to remind you that this is that. So let me remind you what we said, and his, this is where we're at as a nation, Hebrews 12 and 26, and the scripture says this, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Church, there is a shakening. We have for, been forewarned of it, and it's taking place on this earth like never before, and it's God that's doing the shakening, and it's happening right now. This is that. Verse 27, listen very closely. It says, know this, yet once more, very few times in Scripture will he go back and repeat something to explain it. So you need to pay close attention to these next lines. This is one of those verses that shouldn't be hard to understand because he's very specific. He tells us who's shaking things. He tells us what he's shaking and why he's shaking things. And verse 27 says, know this, yet once more indicates the removal, say removal, of those things being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. In other words, God is saying, I'm going to shake the earth, and in doing so, I'll remove some things that man has made. The temporal things will be taken away from you, so that the eternal things I've created, which cannot be shaken or removed, will once again be the focus 
of our lives. You need to get this. This is where we're at. God is shaking the earth for a purpose. And the scripture indicates the removal of temporal things. And God is saying, I'm going to take some things away from you. I believe God is shaking our world, our economy, our government, corporations, the sports industry, the entertainment industry. Those things have tried to exalt themselves above God. Trying to get this adulterous nation to repent of our idolatry. For many, it's because it's been things that have taken them away from God. It's things that have turned this nation from God. It's this thing called materialism. Now, God wants to take those things away from people that they have put, more, that they have put before him, not to destroy anyone or hurt them, but to save them. What do you prosper to gain the whole world only to lose your soul? It's God's will that no man shall perish. There's a lot of people who aren't serving God today who used to, simply because things came between them and their relationship with God. Money, careers, relationships, hobbies. There's a lot of people who never experience a relationship with God as long as they got everything that they need. God don't want you to not have things. God don't want things to have you because God wants you. We got to get this perspective. When he removes things, he's not robbing you because of your things. You actually, according to scripture many times, have been robbing God. Let's use an example to illustrate what I'm saying. How many of you wives have found yourself saying, I wish he would have never got that and you can fill in the blank. That's all he thinks about now. He never has time for me or maybe perhaps for the kids anymore. And how many of you men said, I wish my wife would have never started and you can fill in the blank because you don't ever spend any time with me anymore. And you believe if that thing was gone from their lives, it would be beneficial to your relationship. Why do you think this? Because they put that thing before you. Even though he or she would have trouble giving it up, you would remove it to save your marriage. What has happened in those relationships is you have put things before your spouse because before that thing, you had a great relationship. Okay, then, folks, we should understand how God feels when we put things before him that destroy our relationship with him. Folks, it's idolatry. Anything you put before God is idolatry. That is what God is saying. God is saying you have things, just keep me first. Just keep me in the picture. Everything you got, every blessing you experienced is because God gave it to you. Your house, your job, your money, your family, your life, your spouse, and your children. He wants to bless you, but not lose you in the process to the things that he's blessed you with. He says this in the scripture. It indicates the removal of things that are being shaken that have been made. He's talking about moving man-made tangible things so that the things cannot be shaken, which are eternal things, which will remain. So God is saying, I'm removing things you can see. So once again, you can find those things you can't see. I'm removing things you think you need, things that have caused you to take your eyes off of me so that you can see me again. 
so you'll return to me again, so that you'll serve me again. He says, I'm shaking the whole earth. I'm shaking financial markets, world economies, all the way down to Main Street. Folks, this bubble is going to burst. And God says, too many have followed their blessings to the point they become a curse. Your blessings are only favorable when you're in God's favor. God says, I'm replacing something tangible and physical, though, with something spiritual and internal in your lives. The whole purpose of this shaking is for one reason, to draw you back into my presence. Things have blinded you. The, the pursuit of things has distracted you. The possessions of things has caused many to depart from the faith. What I'm doing, he says, I'm doing on the whole earth. I'm doing it corporally. I'm doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. See, man has exalted himself above the knowledge of God. And he says, I shall humble him and he shall return to me. Prosperity is more than just money. For the love of money is the root of all evil. He said, I wish that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. And God is saying to this nation, hear me. If I have to strip you of every earthly possession so that you will possess what matters the most, I will. He's shaking the whole earth. The lives of many are being rocked. Money is not the cure-all for this nation. Folks, in the realm of reality, we are broke. We're over $22 trillion in debt as a nation. And the left wants to spend another $7 trillion we don't have. And it won't fix the true troubles of our nation. It might produce, produce some more things, things, but we don't need more things. It will not feed the hungry and clothe the poor. It will not stop the killing of innocent babies. It will not restore marriages. It will not eradicate sexual immorality. It will not deliver anybody off of drugs or addictions. We don't need more money. We need God. And by the time God gets done shaking this world, you can count on every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Money will never heal a nation's sin problem. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 is the remedy for our nation. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive the sins and I will heal their land. Folks, why the Congress is meeting and believing money is the answer that we can buy our way out of our conditions. The church needs to be like we are tonight, meeting and praying and believing God is the answer for this nation. The whole shaking is about one thing. It's about bringing revival to a nation. We need revival in our land, and God knows how to bring it. Verse 28 says, therefore, since we are receiving, he's talking about the believer. He said, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear. Now, there is two things 
we don't hear much about anymore. Reverence and godly fear. Verse 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. This is a side of God a lot of people don't like to talk about or hear about. We only want to hear about God, the giver, the blesser, the healer, the God of grace, the God of mercy. And he is all those things, praise the Lord. Yet he is also a righteous judge. God says, if you want his righteousness, I have to consume you like a fire. And I have to burn off the chaff, those things that cause you to be unrighteous. A lot of people are losing things because God is trying to take things out of your life that aren't conducive to a Christian lifestyle. So God is going to take some things away to keep you, from, to keep you leaning on the everlasting arm of God. God has blessed his people in such a mighty fashion, but yet many have taken his blessings and misused them for the purpose. And God is shaking the earth and the heavens to reposition you for a blessing. God doesn't want to stop blessing you, yet he wants to turn his people back to him. Israel would repent, and God would bless them. Then they would allow the things, the blessings that he gave them to come to a place that they felt they had no need of God. And then God would have to send judgment, and then they repent. And then once again, God would bless them. It was a pattern. God wants his people to be blessed. He just wants you to keep the blesser first in your life. And God has shaken the nations to bring them back to him, and then once again, he will bless them. In Malachi 3, Malachi challenges the nation of Israel to bring their tithes and their offerings into the storehouse. He claimed they had been robbing God by not doing so. Well, nowadays, we're struggling with people just bringing themselves to the church, let alone their tithes. While people knowingly know that Scripture has instructed us not to forsake the assembling of the saints as the day approaches. Thank God for you being here in the house of the Lord tonight. You are being obedient to his word. You are in the right place. You're right where you need to be as a Christian. Praise God for you. And he says, Malachi says, bring all tithes and offerings to that storehouse that there may be meat in my house. In other words, he said, prove, prove me, provoke me, or test me, or try me, and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. Did you notice windows is plural? One translation says floodgates instead of windows. See if he won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't even have enough room to receive. Notice here, a blessing that is so large, a blessing that is more than enough. My mind thought back to New Orleans. You, some years back, they received a flood so huge, their floodgates couldn't contain it. It literally broke through and ran over the floodgates. So powerful, so large. It had people standing on their roofs waiting to be rescued. Swept things away and down the streets. Houses, livestock, pets, businesses, hospitals swept away because the flood was so large. Many people were caught in it because they didn't believe it was coming. Although warned, they couldn't believe it. They weren't prepared because they didn't believe it was really coming. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Sometimes, no matter how much we preach or teach and prophesy, many won't believe you. Only a portion of the church may take it to heart. The reason they didn't believe when they told a flood was coming was because they had heard it before and nothing had ever happened. 
And because it didn't happen in the past, they didn't believe it could happen now. And just when you expect nothing's going to happen, that's when the flood breaks out in your life and you're unprepared to receive it. And I've come to tell you tonight, to tell this body, and please share it, a spiritual flood is coming to America. And for many of us, upon hearing this, some won't believe it could happen today because you've heard it before many times, and perhaps it's never came. There are people, though, who are so barren and they're distressed, not a few, but many, because of the conditions of this nation, who no longer believe in God's power to break through, to deliver, to heal, to provide. Why? Because they have sat week and week after week and heard preacher after preacher, they say, and sermon after sermon, and nothing has changed. So for me to tell you God wants to bless you and spiritual floods coming to this nation doesn't resonate to some people's heart. But nevertheless, with all that within me, I am here tonight declaring to you there is a spiritual flood coming. He said, in the last days I shall pour out my spirit, and we must prepare our hearts to receive it. Now, if you compare what I'm saying to what you read in the newspaper or maybe what you saw in the 6 o'clock news, then you may have trouble believing me. It looks pretty dry to you, yet I still declare the flood's coming. Now, I might sound like I know in his day, and God is going to shake this earth and move some things that have been separated us from God, but then he's going to shake the heavens and pour us out a blessing. This is a corporate thing, and God is shaking us as a congregation to bring us together as a congregation so that when he gets things out of the way, he will shake the heavens and he'll flood this church with his presence, igniting revival. So what should we do? The same thing the children of Israel did when they found themselves in bondage as a nation. Cry out. Why a cry? Because God answers the cry of his children according to Scripture. The only cry many are doing now is over stuff. Things were losing. Israel suffered 400 years in bondage. They were stripped of everything they owned. They owned nothing. They were slaves to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. They were bound, oppressed, depressed, not just a few of them, all of them. They found themselves in a place because they had returned from God. God's chosen people whom he blessed, but in return, lost sight of the blessed because things became their God. And as a result, God allowed their enemy to take them captive. But he didn't leave them or forget about them. He didn't even stop loving them. He was willing to let them go through this time to turn them back to him. He sat and he waited for their hearts to return back to him. He shook them loose of everything they had. And upon their hearts returning back to him, once again he opened up heaven and he blessed them. The return began with a cry, and God heard them and answered them. Exodus 22 and 20 says, a cry came up because of their bondage. 3 and 7 says, their cry got God's attention. 3 and 9 says, he acknowledges their cry. Folks, their cry got all the way to the throne room of God. And, and 22 and 3 says, God proclaims he loves his children and he hears their cries. When your children cry, do you respond? You know the cry of your children. You can be at a birthday party, and there might be 30 kids out in the backyard playing and having a great time. Let your child fall and skin hits knee, 
And when that child starts crying, I don't care if you're in the kitchen, you know that cry. And when you hear that cry, what do you do? You immediately respond to that child. And so does God. When he hears our cries, he responds to us like a good father does to his child. Amen? Their cries say to you they need you, that they're hurt, that they're in trouble, they're in pain. They were in bondage, and they cried, and God heard them, and God responded. He sent a deliverer. He sent Moses to speak to their hearts and to encourage them. Church, we got a deliverer, and his name is Jesus. Regardless of the, their condition, God was going to bring them out. And God told me to tell somebody tonight, God's going to bring you out of your conditions. Let me share something with you just to show you how far our nation has slipped from its early beginnings. This is food for thought. 232 years ago, at the very first presidential inauguration, it was on April the 30th, 1789. It was in the midst of a very large, jubilant crowd. President George Washington gave our nation a prophetic warning with his inaugural speech. When he delivered the propitious, which means favorable, smiles of heaven cannot be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order that heaven itself has ordained. If America follows the ways of God, his eternal rules of order, the blessings of God, will remain upon it, he said. But if America should ever depart from the ways of God, then his blessings will be removed from the land. Powerful words that have proven to be true through history. But now let's compare that time then to now. On January the 20th, 2021, 232 years later this year, another presidential inauguration was taking place in the nation's capital city, Washington, D.C., named after the great President George Washington, where this time there was no jubilant crowd. Matter of fact, there was no crowd at all because it has become a military zone instead of a jubilant crowd where 25,000 troops stood guard. The threats weren't from foreign lands, but they came from within our known nation. What has happened to our nation? A divided nation cannot stand. But as prophesied, America is in its disregard of the eternal rules of order is having the blessings of God removed from our land. Sin is a reproach to any nation under God. And it's time to cry out, church, for our nation. It's time to get serious. 2 Samuel 22 and 7, David said, In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. And he did hear my voice out of his temple, and my cry did enter into his ears. 2 Kings 8 and 3, And it came to pass at the seven-year end that the women returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry unto the king for her home and her land. It's time for the church to cry out to the king of kings, for our homes, and for our land. Psalms 34 and 15 says, The ear of the Lord is upon the righteous, and his ear is open to their cry. Psalms 56 and 9 says, When I cry unto thee, 
Then shall my enemies turn back this, I know, for God is with me. There is 201 verses claiming he or she cried unto the Lord. And it's time for a cry to go out to heaven, a cry out for a national revival. God is shaking this earth. He's tearing down strongholds and idols. And some of you are so far down, but God is fixing to open the gates. It's always the darkest before the storm. I want to tell you something. I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to have your utilities cut off. I know what it's like to have heat your house with space heaters. I know what it's like to have kids and no diapers. I know what it's like to have the phone shut off. I know what it's like to have to take a cab to work. But don't let where I stand today fool you. I've been there. But I also know what it's like for God to be the source of my resources and always, always come through for me. I know what it's like to be down to my last dime and wonder, okay, God, where are you at? When are you going to come through? And he always did. That was then, but this is now. He's taken me from there to here. He's blessed me and will continue to as long as I don't allow his blessings to cause me to forget him. And he will you too. I've come to tell somebody who is without. Something's about to happen to change your circumstances. You've got to get back to where you realize you need God more than you need things. To where you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God is shaking this nation, folks. He ain't through. There are some people who may lose some things in the process. As bad as it may get, if it draws you back closer to God than you ever were, I assure you, you'll be more blessed than you ever were. You got to be ready. The Lord's coming back. Things will never fill the void. Things will never deliver you. Things will never redeem you. Prosperity is more than money. Can I tell you, again, there's a flood coming. I'm ready for things to change. I'm ready for the floodgates to be open. Oh, I am so ready for God to shake heaven. We don't need a natural flood. We need a spiritual flood. We don't need a natural fire. We need a Holy Ghost fire. We don't need another economic stimulus plan. We need a spiritual stimulus plan that will stimulate the body of Christ. We don't need more money. We need God to be our source. Amen? Come on, somebody. We don't need natural resources. We need a spiritual source. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Tonight, I'm going to ask each and every one of you to come to this altar in just a minute for a time of corporate prayer. I'm going to ask you to come and cry out to God. I'm going to ask you to come and cry for revival. I'm asking you to come and cry that God delivers us, that he heals our land, that he forgives us, that he saves us. I want us to cry. And tell God we need you. We need to cry out for God to send revival. For God to shake the earth if it's necessary, God. But God, please, I cry, shake the heavens. Bless this nation once again with your blessings. I'm going to ask you all if you just come here and find you a place. 
to pray. I want you to come and pray for the nation. But I want to say this, too, in this call. If you're here and the conditions of this nation or something in your life is affecting your life and you need, you need prayer, I believe in the laying on the hands, and I'm here, and I'll get some other people to pray with me, and we'll lay hands on you and pray for your situation tonight. If that's you, just come and stand here in front of the altar. If you have a need, we'll pray for you. Go ahead, Danny, and turn some music on. Come on, our nation needs the church. As the church goes, so goes the nation.